Hey, movie fans, and welcome back to another episode of the Uncharted Media Podcast. This is episode 72, Worst Movie Sequels of All Time. Ironically, almost a year to the day after we did our best movie sequels. We didn't plan this this way. It just happened to be, hey, we should do this topic. I was like, oh, we did movie best movie sequels. When did we do that? Oh, look. This is perfect. We almost did it a year ago. So it was great timing. Uh, Josh, there how are you doing this week? I'm hanging in there, man. It's uh, It's been a week. Um, it's been a weekend. But you know, we're struggling. I'll get on top of it eventually. You have any shows this weekend? <laughs> I did. I had one. Uh, <laughs> it was a Lucha show. Um, and weirdly enough, for some reason, no promoter talked to each other. So there was... I think we counted five Lucha shows within 10 miles of each other. So we had like, so we had like 15 people at our show. Alrighty. (laughs) And like like me and my buddy had um, this like great match planned, but then we were just like, you know what? Screw that. So we just like went out and just beat the crap out of each other and and just entertained and just worked the crowd. I, there was an old lady that wanted to kill me by the end of that match. It was great. I was really happy about it. I've got this weird analogy of just like how there's subways on every street corner. That's kind of gonna how I'm picturing it right now. Of just like there's yeah. too many things in one small thing that you're eating into each other's business. Yeah, it just didn't make sense. But you know, it is what it is. Uh, also, off the top. This is the first, this will mean nothing to any of you at home because this is a podcast and you can't see, but as we talk, I always have a cup of water just so I can keep the vocal cords fresh. This is the first episode that I'm drinking out of an uncharted cup. Oh, I'm so proud of you. It's just a fancy time. Uh, I'm going to say right off the bat, this episode is going to have me on all kinds of emotional spectrum. Um... Yep. Just forewarning now, I will go on a very happy rant uh, and a very sad, angry rant. Um, but I'm going to get the sad, angry rant first. That way I can kind of build up my energy again because I know our first news topic is going to wipe me out. Uh, but before we get to the news topics, we've got some other house cleaning to do. Um, again, Josh and I have seen some movies recently. I'll be honest, yes. we've seen very different movies. Josh saw an Academy Award movie. I saw a movie on Shudder. I think I, I yeah. <laughs> I finally saw um, Parasite, and? which was interesting. Um, I I don't know how to say this, like, because it. I understand why it got an Academy Award. The acting is incredible. The um, you know, the sets are amazing. The the camera direction is awesome. The sound design, the music. Awesome. Perfect. Beautiful. Um, I think I had more, a, a few minor story issues with it. Uh, mostly because I, I don't know if it knew exactly where it wanted to go at first. And then it kind of, something happens and then it's like, all right, cool. So we're going to go full throttle on this. <laughs> so uh, it's, 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 it's good. It's, it's fine. It's, it's, it's fine. And then on the totally other end of the spectrum, um, I finally caved in as the horror fan that I am and got the year subscription for Shudder, which I think is like 60 bucks for the year. Um, And so the first movie that I watched was one that was highly recommended, uh, part of a trilogy called Hell House LLC. 
Does that that sounds really familiar to me, and I do. So I haven't seen the other two yet, but they're in my watch list, and I need to see them very, 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 very soon if they're anything to go by by the first one. Um, so basically, um, it is a found footage movie, which is immediately going to turn off like half the people, but it's done well. Um, it's a found footage movie of these like five friends that basically every year they make a haunted house, except this year they're setting their haunted house inside of an actual former hotel that was haunted. Interesting. And so things start going very badly and it's actually really, really good. It's kind of like, um, a little bit of paranormal activity, a little bit of Blair Witch, but like believable characters that aren't like Mm -hmm. idiots. They're all like, we need to do something about this, but the guy in charge is the one that keeps pushing the agenda. Um, and they keep building up this tension of what's in the basement, what's in the basement, what's in the basement. And it's kind of framed around this, like, um, not mockumentary because I always think comedy with that term, but like fake documentary about what went wrong. So it's kind of already, okay, we know none of our characters are going to make it out of this, but there's this whole legend around it and bad things are going to happen. They keep building it up, building it up, and they don't really show their cards, which I really liked. It was kind of like Blair Witch in that sense. Hmm. And there there Fair was enough. one part that genuinely made me jump of just like, oh, okay. It wasn't a jump scare. It was like a, uh, gosh, that was scary because it was all like a in-camera scare. Um, so it's a really simple setup of like, they noticed some weird stuff of like um, clown props, like human-sized dummy props of clowns start moving on their own. And they don't actually move within the scene, but like a guy is just like, oh, what, what are you doing here? He, like, turns, looks down the stairs, and then the clown's head has turned to face him now. Uh, no, thank you. I'm good. Appreciate yeah, it. it's all, like, in the same shot, and it's just, uh. Well, dang, man. It was well, really good. So, like yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing fun. the next two, if there's anything to go by. Okay. Um, I Unfortunately, yesterday, I saw a really bad movie, but... That'll be for next week's, which segues us perfectly into a big announcement that Josh and I have. So, um, back in way back land, Josh and I's first experience doing anything video or audio or just anything movie related was doing a video series on the Uncharted Media channel at the time, um, 17 movie reviews, uh, doing five good things of basically taking a notoriously bad movie and finding five good things about them. So, after someone's genius idea, it's neither of us will say that, someone's genius idea, we were like, that's a good idea. We are going to bring five good things to the podcast. So once a month, we're going to be taking a notoriously bad movie and finding five good things about it. Now... Um, unlike the first time that we did this, we're going to go more just in detail and just kind of conversational, just like a podcast, as opposed to a shorter video form. And unlike the video form, Josh and I will at least attempt to have our own separate list. The, the, the point being here is that, um, originally in the video format we'd watch it together and form the list together whereas this is we're watching it separately in our own time and we're 
you know, we're, we're forming our lists on our own. Now that again, like you said, that, that might mean that we might have some overlap because we kind of generally have the same kind of, uh, opinions about movies for, for, you know, for better or for worse. Um, but yeah, it's, it's going to be fun. Honestly, I'm happy that we're bringing it back because I think it was the one one of the things that you and I it was the first thing you and I did, and I don't I, there still isn't anything out there that kind of does the same thing. Yeah, um, I enjoy you know me as I try and be optimistic, and some of these topics today it's going to be really hard to talk about. Um, uh, but I like to be optimistic, and this gives us just to do it. Uh, we're not starting from scratch. We will be revisiting some of the ones that we did before for the video. So if you want to see some of the old ones that we've already done, uh, we have a Five Good Things playlist on the YouTube channel. Feel free to check that out. Um, but any bad movie is fair game, even if we've already done it before. Case in point, we will be revisiting the very first Five Good Things that I ever did as a video. We're just going to do it in podcast form. We're going to put our money where our mouth is. Our first video is going. Our first episode on this topic is going to be Batman and Robin, and it's that'll be difficult. It's going to. I watched it yesterday. It's going to be tough. We're going to discuss it later today for our worst sequel discussion. Obviously, Um, I will say I'm conflicted with this movie, but not like I used to be. Fair enough. I'll, I mean, I'll go more into the... detail in discussion, obviously more next week. But let's just say, from a filmmaking perspective, it may not be as bad as people make it out to be. Yeah. Well, but, I, when we were doing the five good things, that was something we kept finding was, um, especially when we did Nicolas Cage Month, was like, okay, yeah, these movies kind of on a baseline are not good. But there's certain aspects that make them very, very enjoyable. Yeah, I'll have a lot of thoughts uh, and might even say some good things next week about Batman Robin. Five good things, if you will. Um, Oh, no. (laughs) That's about all the housekeeping, I think, getting out of the way. Now, let's get into the news. So typically around here, we like to do um, just movie and occasionally video game news. And yes, we'll talk about comic book movies or characters, but we usually aren't delving too deep into what's currently going on with comics just because that's such a niche market. However, there was a development that happened over the weekend that I think, and watching a lot of videos breaking it down over the weekend, this could have a huge and very negative impact. Like, the initial reaction is celebration, but the long-term ramification is very negative, I think. Um, okay, so you, I think you obviously know more about this. Than yeah, I deep-dived into this really hard today. Yeah, so so go ahead and tell me what's going on, and then and we'll see. Yeah, you're you know, not. Have any input on it. I, there's a reason I put this first is because we're going to need to get our energy back up after this. Um, it, okay, this is hard to hear for DC fans. Uh, at least the beginning part of this is great. So Dan DiDio was like the chief editor, the more or less the guy that was in charge of overseeing the story direction for almost all the DC comic universe right now. Nothing on the screen, but basically anything that was on the page, he's responsible for. So on Friday, he was either fired or he quit or let go. With no notice, he was just fired. 
And the internet's reaction and my reaction was, hallelujah, this came 10 years too late. Um, let me explain why. Dan DiDio has been with um, DC Comics since in as the editor since about 2010 and he's been let's let's put it nicely controversial to say the least um under his tenure storylines and all characters kind of had a darker and more gritty um turn to them he is the mastermind that came up with the new 52 in 2011 that was his baby which, admittedly, New 52 was great if you're a Batman, but that's because Batman is a dark and gritty character. Everyone else, not so much. Superman's stories went down the hill, down the pike real fast. Um, a lot of viewership and readership, yes, and initially spiked out of curiosity of what this New 52 was going to be like. After a few months or so, sales nosedived to the point that in 2016, they had to bring in the emergency script um, saver, and our favorite guy, Jeff Johns, to do a more or less reset button again with DC Rebirth in 2016, which Dan DiDio had no involvement on Rebirth whatsoever, which is why it was good. Uh, <laughs> Rebirth got everything more or less back on track because Jeff Johns believes heroes should be hopeful and optimistic, whereas Dan DiDio publicly has gone on record saying heroes shouldn't have happy endings. And shouldn't okay. have a happy life. He's the one that has more or less alluded to the fact that Lois Lane might be cheating on Clark Kent in the current Superman comics. That Superman is a um, like neglectful and distant father to Jonathan. And Jonathan was trapped in space for a decade. Um, I have issues with this. Mm, I'll go with idiot. Because he is the one that in Nightwing 55 gave the okay of... Yes, we need to shoot Nightwing in the head to give him amnesia and change his name from Dick Grayson to Rick Grayson and strip him of the title of Nightwing. Uh, what? Yes, that's currently what what's going do? on with Nightwing comics. Is he goes by Rick Grayson, and there's four other people playing as Nightwing under his supervision. Um, he's also the one that, in when the New 52 was launched, completely forgot about Wally West and completely ignored him for all five years of the New 52, just completely threw Wally West aside. Then, in Rebirth, Jeff Johns brought him back. Not only did he bring Wally West back, but he made him a central figure of the whole Rebirth storyline of fixing the timelines. So then, in a few years later, when Jeff Johns was more or less called up to the big leagues to work on movies as a producer with, like, Wonder Woman and Aquaman and whatnot... Guess what Dan DiDito started to do? Shifted things back to the New 52 direction. He did Heroes in Crisis, which revealed a certain speedster, not only as the villain, but as a murderer in Wally Jeez. West. He really Jeez. hates any of these legacy characters of, like, the backup characters. Um, and so he's been running the company really, more or less, into the ground since Jeff Johns um, took over, left for the movies a few years ago. So basically, when Dan DiDito's in charge, he's like, we need to go dark and gritty. And it's shows and sales, people genuinely lose interest. And it DC Rebirth started off great. Like, there was hope, there was optimism. But as soon as Jeff Johns left, after he fixed what was broken to begin with, 
uh, things really started to go downhill. Now, now that he's gone, he, the lasting effects are not quite there yet. Sales have been dipping dramatically, and he doesn't want to admit that it might be this dark and gritty thing. So what they're going for is next year, they're rumored to be resetting DC continuity again, again. with something called um, Generation 5 or 5G, in which case, Josh, I don't know if you have heard about this, but buckle up for this stupid crap that 5G is going to be. So basically, oh, it's no. fifth generation of the characters you know and love will no longer be played or portrayed by the characters you know and love. You like Bruce Wayne as Batman? Well, screw you. He's not in this continuity anymore. He's not even going to be one of the Robins. He's going to be played by Lucius Fox's son. You want Clark Kent uh, as Superman? Okay, well, that cool. sucks so for you. We're going to have Jonathan Kent in it as Superman now, and he's going to be gay. You want Diana Prince as Wonder Woman? Nope, not going to happen. So we're going to get more or that less just seems the so... young Justice League as the new continuity. And comic book fans in, this, uh, in the little bubble, niche bubble that we are in are just going, we can see the iceberg coming now of... You think sales are bad now? You pull this crap now. You pull this crap a year from now, you will have no readership. So here's where things get even worse, if you can believe it. The rumors out there right now are that um, Dan DiDio was fired, not by DC Comics, not by the people that own them, Warner Brothers, or even. But the people that own Warner Brothers, AT&T, so he was fired by the people that own the people that own the people that he works for. That's how serious sales have gotten under his watch of the really high overlords that AT&T have noticed. And they seem to be wanting to push forward with this 5G thing, whereas what I'm hearing is Warner Brothers is going, oh, no, we can see the writing on the wall. This is a bad idea. Um, yeah. so right now it is a ship on fire heading to an iceberg with no one behind the wheel. And at the rate we are going, I, I can't believe these words are coming out of my mouth at the rate DC comics is going. And this is may have just sped things up even more as much as Dan DiDio is bad. And he really should have been gone a long time ago. If we keep at the pace that we are going, there will not be new issues of DC Comics material at all within the next 10 years. We will get I the stories that we get, and then that will be it. We'll still get movies and TV and whatever, but in terms of new comic book material, it will cease to exist. See, okay, so here's the thing, and I, I, I think this is happening gradually for me. Um, I have slowly drifted away from DC and Marvel kind of for the re the for reason, you know, mentions and like all that drama, all of that nonsense and the, the always resetting the, the chrono, you know, the timeline and all that not stuff. Um, I have shifted. If I do read comic books, it's almost never DC or Marvel. And so I wouldn't be, I would agree. I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, DC comics and, I don't know about Marvel, but I well, actually that brings up a really interesting point of Marvel is actually still financially when it comes to comic books, still doing worse than DC. 
of Jeez, both of them are doing not nearly as well as the companies would like. And so if you're a Marvel fan going, well, sucks for DC. Um, it's like the Phantom Menace of all things said, as horrible as that is to say, if one thing happens to you form a symbiotic circle, if one thing happens to one of you, surely it'll happen to the other. Um, if you're an idiot Marvel fan out there saying, that's all right, DC can collapse. You got to realize if DC collapses, Marvel Comics isn't far behind. You no, should, if all. you are a comic fan in general, you should want DC Comics to survive because competition breeds excellence. Of if DC Comics ceases to exist, Marvel has no reason whatsoever to keep telling good stories. There is no motivation whatsoever. Look at WWE. As soon as WCW collapsed, they got lazy and complacent with their storytelling for close to two decades. Still an issue that they face to this day because no one's going to challenge them. Challenge and competition is a healthy thing for business. And if one of them goes out of business, that's a very bad thing. Yeah. Marvel is not far it's behind DC collapses. Yeah, and it's interesting to me of how that will affect the movies, how that will affect, you know, what what stories are being told. Because, I mean, there are – people do need to know that there's a whole world of comics outside of uh, DC and Marvel. Um, some, in my opinion, that would rival even, even be better than those. But still, it's – DC is the basically the one that started it all. So it's like – Yeah. Uh, it's I think a little tough. My my immediate reaction, um, if DC does collapse, of right now we don't we'll be really really sad, but over time it'll get worse because they'll go the way of any of those early pulp fiction, um, pulp comics characters of like Dick Tracy or the Phantom. Of yeah, you'll have a handful of people that know them, but those people are dying off, and we're those characters will soon be forgotten. These characters are too good to be forgotten. And I rejoice that Dan DiDio is gone because now I can finally get Nightwing back. We can maybe have Wally West back. I hope to God, but it doesn't seem like it's going to happen, that maybe, just maybe, we can call off the stupid 5G thing before it happens because it's not too late, guys. This, If 5G fails... It will sink DC Comics. And that this is a huge thing. Like, I wasn't going to talk about this today because we don't normally talk about comics because it's, it's such a small thing. But the writing right now is on the wall of DC Comics as a company is very much in danger of not being a thing anymore. DC, the brand will still exist for movies or TV or whatever else. But in terms of creating more source material... It will soon be gone if there's not an immediate fix. This is yeah. I've wanted Dan DiDio gone for a while because he's he just doesn't get characters, especially like the le legacy characters like Wally or Nightwing. But even some of the big characters like Superman, he's gone on record saying his favorite stories are Watchmen and Dark Knight Returns. They're so insistent on like recreating the magic of those dark '80s comics while missing the entire point of the rest of their universe and at the point of people like you who have fallen off comics because i remember you and i were both huge when um rebirth came oh, we're just yeah. like yes they fixed it and we tried our best to keep up with rebirth and for a while there 
they were telling really great stories. But then again, just like with New 52, it was started. Jeff Johns told a great story with Flashpoint, and then Dan DiDio took over. One, um, and one of the videos I watched, there was just like one of the only titles that thrived besides Batman and New 52 was Green Lantern, which three guesses who wrote that? Yep. Jeff Johns, for those paying attention My boy, at home. Jeff Johns. Uh, so it's the short term is it's great that Dan DiDio is gone. This should have happened a long time ago. The long term is things that he put into effect. They may be coming. There still may be a trickle effect of long-lasting damage to the reputation of DC. One that, unfortunately, if there's not a fix soon, could not only bring down DC Comics, but also the entire comics industry. Yeah, it's... mm. And comics has been dying off slowly just because it's not as big of a medium anymore. And that's not necessarily comics fault is the problem because they're like, there's, there's a lot of like dark horse image comics. There's, they're they're trying to tell great stories, but nobody's really picking up a comic. Yeah. But having bad stories certainly isn't helping the cause. Correct. Like I said, you know me, I'm a diehard Nightwing person. You get me, of all people, like, I'll still read the cliff notes online of what happens in each issue, but if you get me, of all people, who will watch literally anything with Dick Grayson in it, if you get me, of all people, to stop watching because you've turned your back so much on what the ideals of not only the character, but of numerous other characters, I want to love Superman. I can't read the current Superman because Brian Michael Bendis has crapped on that legacy so much. And guess who hired Brian Michael Bendis and paid him way too much money to come and write for DC? Dan DiDito. Yeah, it's... Well, I mean, hopefully... Yeah, I I always want the best, but, you know, we'll see what happens, man. Yeah, it makes me just go, okay, I need to collect up as many comic books as I can right now because they're... Comic books will die before Blu-rays do. At the rate yep. we're going. Yep. I wouldn't be surprised. I All mean, right. Let's start shifting news. to more positive news, shall we? Yeah, totally. And there's nothing more positive than this admittedly rumor. But to me, while some other people have been quick to dismiss this, to me there's absolutely fire where there's smoke because the pieces are starting to fall in place for something. So last week... Uh, I was just scrolling through Twitter and someone posted something very interesting that got picked up by a lot of other people that uh, there was an official casting sheet uh, that basically was just like, we need, um, there's a big action movie filming mid to late March in Glasgow. Uh, So it's clearly the Drew McIntyre documentary. Um, Yes. Which, (laughs) yes. But it's like, we're filming for this big action movie. We're going to be filming in mid-March to um, late March. We are looking for circus performers like fire eaters, um, fire dancers, whatever else. For um, We just need extras with circus experience. And my mind immediately goes, oh, head tilt? Like I, th- I think the gift that I shared on my social media is, is the perfect response of it just... It was a dude talking, and then he just pauses and just, wait, say what? 
Like, <laughs> say say that again? Yeah. Pieces it, slowly it, come together because... There's a lot of implications by, from that. <laughs> there's a lot of implications. So what do we mean by this? Um, as we know, and we'll talk a little about this before. I wasn't going to talk about it, but we can talk about it. Um, the Batman is shooting right now. We got our first official look last week. And like I said, we're getting this look because they're about to film outside and we're going to get our first official look at it, but they want a good in-studio, in a protected area before we see it out in the wild. And now we have seen it through some leaked pictures of him riding a bike. And how good does that look? I think it looks great. I've heard a lot of people kind of crap on it a little bit. The only thing I'm crapping on is the gauntlets. Those look weird. I I, I get get them, though. Um, so because I'm, I'm looking at it from his like ninja background, if they keep that, whatever, it looks like a typical just, you know, you have the metal on there and then I wouldn't doubt if you could pull those out and throw them. Yes, it looks he's riding a motor. Batman's riding a motorcycle looks very Batman zero year. Just look up Batman zero year. There's going to be a picture of him on a motorcycle and it's almost like perfect spot on. Um but we talk about the Batman because we said that it's been filming and it will be filming for at least a little bit in London, which is not that far from Glasgow. So, where does this circus thing come in? Oh, yeah. A little birdie told me that no, my favorite character of all time hails from the circus. Um, To me... That where there is smoke, there is fire. And this, to me, is the most conclusive proof. And some people are just like, you're leaping to conclusions. This, to me, is the most official, like, hints. Not official confirmation, but a most official hints of an appearance of, I will not say Robin yet. I will say this, to me, at least confirms the appearance of Haley Circus, and if nothing else, the Flying Graysons. Yeah, I, I see this, if it does happen... I can see it happening, them hinting at it at the end of the movie. I, but that's about it. I disagree, actually. I think there's going to be an extended scene, not like just an end credits, but like an actual... If it was an end credits, I, don't, I think they could have kept that secret better because those are typically filmed much later. I think there's going to be an actual like sequence at Haley Circus just not with Robin and the end credits might be with Dick Grayson or an allusion to Dick Grayson. And then he'll either show up in the end credits or show up in the next movie. Okay. I can see that. Like an actual set piece is at a circus. Yeah, I can see that. But this, the pieces just seem to fit of that's so specific that you would ask extras with cir- circus background for an action movie that just happens to be filming not that far from where the Batman is currently filming. And ev- and I remember watching the John Campy show, and he's just like, no, this, this doesn't sound right. If they had cast Robin, we would have known. I'm not saying they're casting Robin. I'm saying they're casting for Haley's circus. There's a big difference there. And... John's not necessarily correct. If they would, if they had cast Robin, they don't have to give us that enough, that that information. Oh like, no! Did we know that J.K. Simmons was in Far From Home before that movie came out? No, they hid that incredibly well. I think we can have a Robin cameo that's hidden extremely well. 
I think this whole production, it's been so focused on Batman, but there have been a lot of rumblings that there will be a Robin appearance. And I know we've talked about it numerous times on the show because it's me. Um, But this really just adds more, at this point, gasoline to the fire that Robin will be in this, or at least the stage will be set for his parents to fall to their death. Um, Yeah. And I don't necessarily need to see them die because... Uh, we've already seen Flying Grayson's like die on camera in Batman Forever. Maybe we'll do it better this time, but I don't. I think this this leans very, very heavily into we will see some circus, we will see some Flying Grayson reference. You know, be great is if uh, oh, what's his name? Joseph Gordon Lovett played the uh, the dad. He plays, plays um, John. Yeah, he plays. Yeah, he plays the the, the dad of the Graysons. That would be I would, interesting. I don't know. I think it would. It might take be some too distracting. Out. I think. Yeah. Because then you'd have all these, like, film theory out there going. They're connected. No, and they're Joaquin Phoenix's Joker is Matt is the Joker for these movies. I mean, I wouldn't. I wouldn't mind that. It, give it time. To be honest. There, there is some Joker rumors out there that I've heard for this movie that would be like, that seems like a cop out, but whatever. Yeah, I doubt it. We'll see. What else we got, man? What else we're working with this week? Uh, we got some late breaking news in terms of like this happened a couple hours before recording. Um, America's sweetheart, literally everyone I know loves this man, Chris Evans. Chris Evans yep. reportedly is in talks for a Little Shop of Horrors role. So they're remaking Little Shop of Horrors. And while no one's officially attached to the film yet, both Taron Edgerton, your favorite, um, and Scarlett Johansson yep. have both been attached to it. They haven't just officially signed on yet. We don't know uh, if, they're, if they've signed on the dotted line or not, but there have been rumors that they've been in discussions. Now it seems like Chris Evans is also in discussions for... Little Shop of Horrors remake. This time, he will be playing the dentist. So I have seen Little Shop of Horrors, the play, once. They did it when we were in college, and uh, the one of my yeah. communications teachers was the dentist. So we're like, oh, we got to see this, and he was very entertaining. So I kind of know the story of Little Shop of Horrors. Uh, how familiar are you with the both either the play the or the original movie? About as familiar as you are. <laughs> I know the um, original role was Steve Martin. Yes, that's about all I know as well. But, um, again, without... I don't want to talk about some other things. I think you and I are on the same brainwave there. Um, without talking about some other things, I I think this role would be perfect for Chris Evans. I agree. Because... He plays a dick really well. He does, especially for like I never like, imagined that he would be such a prick. Like, like he's geez. a really good prick in Knives Out. Obviously, he's mm-hmm. such a good antagonist for that. Of just you just want to punch him in the face. But um, while I hate the movie, he's a great prick in Scott Pilgrim versus the World. No, oh, also yeah. And, I mean, he plays douchey really well in um, the original Fantastic Four. Yes. So, 
Uh, it's a little more narcissistic for a little shop of horrors. But my question is, is this, I'd imagine this is still a musical. That's why you would get Taron Edgerton, who just did Rocket Man. Can Chris Evans sing? I have no clue, and I'm willing to find out. <laughs> it, I'm also just thinking, I can't really, I don't know if I could buy Taron Edgerton. I'm assuming he'd be Seymour, the main character, originally played by, um, I was about to say Wayne Selinsky, um, Rick Moranis. I I don't know if I could see Taron Edgerton as a Rick Moranis type. Uh, mm. we'll Maybe see. it's me I, I, stereotyping, and we're going to talk about this actor later. But you know who I'd actually put in the role because he's got theater, musical background, and can I think he can sing? No, uh, Hugh Jackman. No, Hugh Jackman. I would much rather have him not as <laughs> um, Seymour, but as the dentist. Yeah, Tom Holland. Oh, I can see that. And he can he, play scrawny feels, dork pretty well. Yeah, he feels young and and well, and he feels like he'd be tricked easily. And he's got that theater background too. I mean, yeah, 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 that too. <laughs> Could Scarlett Johansson sing? Mm, yes, but here's the thing, though. I think Tom's going to be busy. Yes, he was. Yes, he is. Great segue. Yeah, no problem. <laughs> So I I mainly wanted to put this in the notes so we can officially like bookmark this and be like okay if they haven't we know they're lying and they're full of crap so yes um no movie has been in development hell well it feels like longer than the Uncharted movie um which has been in development hell for probably close to a decade back in the day when it was like Mark. Uh, Wahlberg was originally supposed to be Nathan Drake. Then this had the other thing. Yep. After six directors later, we still don't have a director. But apparently, according to Tom Holland, when he was doing um, press for Pixar movie Onward, which is getting great reviews, he said not only has he read the script for the Uncharted film, he's getting ready to film it in four weeks. So, oh wow! Like they are apparently a lot closer to this than I thought. Uh, even though they don't have a director. And we don't know any of the other cast besides him and Mark uh, Wahlberg, ironically, this time as Sully. Uh, he said that it's filming in four weeks, and he's super excited for it. He says it's the best script he's ever read, and that they take a lot of inspiration from Uncharted 4. Now, there's a lot to unpack there, and I'll get to my thoughts in a second, being the resident Uncharted person here, natural, naturally, it's in my name description. Uh, but... Josh, what do you think of his comments? Do you actually believe him when they said they're going to be shooting in four weeks? And do you actually believe him when he says it's the best script he's ever read? All right. Um, I'm going to two-part that. Um, do I believe him when he says they're going to be filming in, in a few weeks? I believe that he has been told that they will be filming in a few weeks. Because I trust Tom. After, you know, after the whole Spider-Man thing, I have no reason to not trust Tom. Um, granted a young on the, yeah, like on the flip side of that, a young actor telling me that's the best script he's ever read is hard for me to buy just because he's a young actor and it, it's not his fault. I just, you know, it, it, it's like when, if, an, if I told an adult, um, you know, this, this was the best day of my life and it's like, you know, I'm 
15 or something. It's like, well, you got a, you got some more experiences coming down the road, but like, I don't know if, if that's it. But, um, to me though, for, uh, Tom to say they take a lot of inspiration from, from a very specific game, as opposed to being like the whole series, I feel like that he has read the full script and is in as, and is very impressed with it. I, I was intrigued, but also impressed uh, when he said that it's going to take inspiration from four. Cause they asked him what is going to be like. And he said, four is one of my favorite games. Um, and I was talking to the head of Sony, Tom Rothman, who is a bumbling moron who should not be in charge of Sony, but he's got a long track record of idiotic choices, but we don't have, three hours to talk about the idiocy of Tom Rothman. Um, He's just like, oh man, I just played Uncharted 4. I love it. Man, I wish I could play Nathan Drake. And so Tom Rothman was just like, sure, let's make it happen. Which I'm like, that's always a worrying sign. But um, I'm with you. I think it's cool that, yes, he's read the whole script and he can see the parallels. But also, uh, a lot of people that uh, want this movie to fail. You could tell there's a lot of Maybe it's just my bubble, but there's a lot of not only um, video game fans, like with the Uncharted fandom, but just people in general that have hated the casting of Tom Holland from day one and want this movie to fail. That they're just like, how can you say he's taking inspiration from Uncharted 4? That's the last Uncharted game where Nathan Drake retires. How can you take inspiration from that when he's still a kid? And I'm just going, you ignorant morons. Like a third of the game is spent in flashbacks when he's still a kid, when he's, quote-unquote, spoiler alert, massive spoiler here for Uncharted people, when he still goes by Nathan Morgan, his birth name, him and his brother are still kids at this point. So you're getting the kid, the early story of Nathan and Sam Morgan before he's Drake. And it's even before he meets Sully. So when when Tom Holland says they're taking some inspiration from four... I think that's a good thing that we're getting the early story of Nathan Drake. I want this movie to do well. I get those people that are just like, it should have been Nathan Fillion. It should be prime Nathan Drake. In an ideal world, yes, I agree that it should be prime Nathan Drake, maybe played by like Oscar Isaac. It would never be Nathan Fillion. The dude's almost 50. They want him, this franchise to last a while. If we, only had, if we had Nathan Fillion, it would only be a movie or two at best. Let's be honest. It's just the reality of it. That Uncharted fan film on YouTube is great, but it's 15 minutes, not a full-fledged franchise that they want to get off the ground. You get a well, little bit more longevity with Tom Holland. So I yeah, I get the as, choice as that they've made as, there. Um, yeah, and as, as much as the fan base loves Nathan Fillion, I've never, I personally have never really seen much. Which is ironic because like, that's actually who he's based off of. Yeah, so I don't, I don't know. I... I when everyone's like, it needs to be Nathan Fillion, or even, and I'm gonna, I might catch some heat for this, but um, I don't get the hype behind Firefly. I've watched it all the way through, and it's not that great to me. It's that whole so, like distance makes the heart grow fonder, and like, oh, what could have been? People kind of, I think people with Firefly live in the what could have been. Yes. Uh, but, but going back to being, Tom Holland saying they're taking inspiration from four, I think that's a good thing. I choose to go into this movie with optimism as best as I can. There's still made a lot of bad choices. I do think it's a massive red flag that we've lost so many directors. I loathe with every fiber in my being that we went with Mark Wahlberg as Sully because that's... 
Mark Wahlberg already has a bad history with video game movies with the Max Payne movie, lest we forget about that. Uh, but I choose to be optimistic, and these statements kind of make me a little bit more optimistic of like, okay, clearly they're filming. So I think he's filming this before he films Spider-Man. If we get yes. word of from Tom Holland saying, yeah, I'm going to go film Spider-Man, that's going to be worrisome because yeah. that means that this will be pushed back further. But I don't think that's the case. Um, I am sticking with my guns when I said that when they push this to March of 2021, that will be the final delay and it'll actually come out then. I think for right now, fingers crossed, I believe Tom Holland at his word that they will be filming in four weeks. Um, that's For those listening at home, remind us before we set to record for episode 76, if they have not started filming Uncharted, Tom Holland is a liar and a thief and a bad person. (laughs) I mean, I wouldn't go that far, but yeah, okay, sure. Yeah, I more or less want to officially document it, and I think it's cool when an actor is this behind a project. Yeah, I agree. And, you know, it... At this point, anything's possible. I mean, I'm not really, really like expecting much of it. So I don't need to be blown away. I really, you would think a person that named a podcast after the franchise, who Nathan Drake is like my favorite video game character. The franchise is one of my favorite video game franchises. To me, it just needs to be okay. It doesn't need to blow my mind. If it's even on par with like the librarian movies or National Treasure, totally fine with that. Yeah, I, I would agree. It's it doesn't have to be. Why didn't we get Nicholas Cage's Sully? Uh, yeah, but it's gonna be Marky Mark. I'm sorry. I know, but what happens if something happens to Marky Mark and he can't do it? Like someone I mean, takes a pipe to the knees. Okay. <laughs> Honestly, if you can take a pipe to the knee, to well, what Marky about an Mark's arrow knees? to the knee? Oh no! Stop. Because no, no, as no. we've seen, the arrows are flying in Mulan. I hate you. <laughs> I just hate you so much because I can see what segue you're going with, and I don't like appreciate butter. It. <laughs> so, on there's good news and bad news with this. Mostly good, but I'm still there's some bad to this. So, Mulan, the Mul- live action Mulan movie is coming out next month. So let's get let's get the bad out of the way. I think this is a really boneheaded move on Disney's part to still be releasing this movie next month. On Mulan? Yes. I think this is a really bad idea that Disney is just like, nope, we're sticking with our guns. We're going to be releasing Mulan um, March 27th. I think this is one that due to the coronavirus, you probably should be pushing this back a few months so that way the whole market can see it. Because right now, like, probably about a third of the world cannot see this movie because it's on lockdown. Yeah. Um, but that's not the main story. We talked about that recently, um, which actually the coronavirus is spreading to uh, other it, parts of the Hollywood spectrum as uh, Mission Impossible 7 has actually announced today that it's delayed filming due to the coronavirus and they'll have to come back and shoot later. Um, oh, wow. But getting back to the Mulan thing, this is, believe it or not, this will mark the first live-action remake that Disney has done that will be PG-13. We now have official ra- rating for Mulan And I'm just sitting back kind of going, well, no, duh. We've seen the fights. How are you going to PG that? Uh, Well, Narnia did it, I guess. But, 
Yeah, there was no way this movie was going to be PG. Josh, knowing that this is PG-13, does this get you more excited, less excited? And what do you think about the release date? I mean, I I had a feeling it was going to be PG-13. I I don't – I would have more issue if they were like, it's going to be R, which I'd be like, um, why? It doesn't need to be R at all. Um, No, Pirates of the Caribbean was. No, get out of here. Um. No, like I don't mind it being PG thirteen at all. In fact, I think it, it it's going to add to the intensity of what the what the violence needs to be, especially in that you know in the kind of world we're we're getting dropped into. Um, I agree with the what's it called with the, with the release date. Maybe push it back, but at the same time, like um, I don't know is. It could be worse, I guess. I mean, maybe they're kind of hoping that it'll catch some wind later on down the road. Because like a first half, I, I, second half of like, we'll do it now, and then we'll release it in a few months later internationally. Exactly. Like, it, maybe they're hoping it'll, it'll catch a wind like that. But here's um, where I would say I would kind of argue against it just because, yes, it's Mulan, so it's not going to be like super spoiler heavy, but... I would think the international markets wouldn't really want the opportunity to have the movie potentially ruined for them and having it all come out the same, not having it all come out the same day. The movie's going to be out for months, so the spoilers are going to be out there really easily. I guess. I just, I don't know. I, 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 I think it's hard. It's a hard decision either way for Disney to make, I'm sure. Yeah. I'm just There's saying, if really I was them, much. I probably would push it back. Yeah. But this but, is why you know, I'm not an executive. <laughs> yes, I would agree. Um, any th- other thing else for Mulan, or are you ready to get into sponsors and main discussion? Sponsors, and let's go, man. I mean, I'm excited for Mulan regardless, so, I mean, the, oh, I'm, yes. the, I'm, the little kung fu movie nerd in me is literally just itching to get to this movie. Which it was brought to my attention recently. I did not even know the um, evil warlord in this movie is played by Jason Scott Lee, who Mm -hmm. was in the live-action Jungle Book from 1992 that I have, I would say, a love-hate relationship, but it's a sheer hate-hate relationship with. Oh, okay. I mean, I enjoy it, but I guess it's just me. You know know Um, which one I'm talking about, right? Yeah, I do. Oh, no. I I hate that stupid movie so much because... (laughs) I watched it as a kid, and the snake that guards King Louie is the reason why I'm deathly afraid of snakes. I mean, I don't blame you. There's that a lot thing of actually, traumatized like, the ever-living crap out of me. There's a lot of, like, actual legitimately terrifying stuff in that show. Oh, yeah, you mean like a man drowning by sand? Yep. Or a man getting yep. eaten by a tiger? Or John oh, Cleese? Yeah. <laughs> All right, man. So what do you have for our sponsor this week? This is, uh, I was talking to a friend about it at work this week, earlier today, actually. We will go with Dr. Sleep, now available on 4K and Blu-ray. Get it with the special director's cut. I still have not watched the director's cut yet, but... Same, I need to. If, even if you don't like like horror movies or like even the original book, 
somehow it managed to please both fans of the movie and fans of the book because there's way two different demographics. But um, even if you just like Ewan McGregor, great movie either way. So this week's after sleep because we can't do Knives Out because we did that last week. Yep. Even though that's basically what's been on my mind. (laughs) I I think about Knives Out quite often, honestly. It's so good. By the time this episode releases, it'll be available on Blu-ray. Yep. So, this week, we will be discussing the worst movie sequels of all time, with the only caveat being there can only be one per franchise, so we can't just be like, well, any Saw movie after the second one. Night, everybody! Um, Dang, man. Dang, okay. One of us has to have seen it. Them's fighting words, but okay. Which saws do you think are worth watching? Um, two's not bad. Jigsaw's That's why I said anyone bad. after three. Oh. But even three's pushing it. Yeah. Um, so yeah, one of us has to have seen it, basically. And seeing Josh's list and seeing my list, there's at least one or two that we're going to disagree on. Yeah, I'm. The big thing is, and I, I was ta- We were talking about this very briefly off off mic. Um, I am surprised at how little like sequels I've actually watched. Yeah, um, there's quite a few. I tried to do some research going into this of like, what's the worst sequels? Okay, haven't seen it. Haven't seen it. Yeah, yeah exactly. I have no desire to like, see Speed Two Cruise Control. Thank you very much. Yeah, or Kindergarten Cop Two, or Daddy Day Camp. No. Yeah, exactly. Like. The, it's weird how... And also, I eliminated prequels, or else I would have Puss in Boots on here on every yeah. list, because that movie was awful. Well, and I I was actually kind of upset, because I saw Shrek 2 on somebody's list, and I was no! like, excuse how me? That dare... is awesome. <laughs> What's wrong with you? We need a hero. We need a hero. Also, it the gives the greatest that, memes of all time that Jamie Lannister from Game of Thrones is just Prince Charming. Wow. Oh my goodness. Well, and I think the the, the joke in, in two that gets me every single time, especially now that I'm older, is when um Pinocchio is is chained up and they were like, Tell a lie. And he's and he's like he's wearing women's underwear. His nose didn't grow. <laughs> Or so, oh, I forget I this, how it goes. Yep, it's a. I just remember someone screaming, "It's a thong!" That was. Oh, who was it? Was it one of the blind? That could have been one of the blind mice because clearly they couldn't see. It. Yeah, it was somebody, but I. I think I don't remember. I'd have to go back and watch. Gingy. Maybe. No, it wasn't Gingy because he got turned into a gigantic. No, that's later though. No, yeah, it's probably Gingy. Uh, everything's blending together. Yep. <laughs> that franchise got weird after a certain point. I'm going to open up. I'm going to open up with my most controversial pick, at least in your eyes, I'm sure. Yeah. Man has had his ups and his downs over the years. Um, it's it's slowly starting to settle. We've had a string of pretty decent ones. While most people would point the finger at the obvious bad Spider-Man sequel, I'm actually going to go with the worst. The worst 
not only um, Spider-Man sequel, but probably the worst Spider-Man movie, period. Amazing Spider-Man 2. Yes, I put it as far worse than Spider-Man 3. Really? I've gone back and watched Spider-Man 3 for five good things. I'm sure we will do a five good things on Spider-Man 3 on this podcast at yeah, some point. Yeah, yeah, um, If you take out any of the Venom parts, the movie really is not that different quality-wise from the first two. Of hmm. They really did try their best to resolve some arcs of, yes, it's shoehorned in that Sandman is now the one that killed Uncle Ben. But tell me Sandman isn't one of the best things about Spider-Man 3. The Goblin oh, yeah. story arc... Yes, I hate the design, but that was actually a story arc that was built up over three movies, and as much as it's cheesy, tell me you don't know every line of, you're my father. I didn't kill your father. You knew that it was coming, Pete. That whole fight scene mm-hmm. is iconic, even if people make fun of the movie itself. The movie really falls apart when it comes to the Venom parts. The rest of the movie really is not that different from the first two. Yes, Spider-Man dances in it, he thinks that's what's cool because he's never been the cool guy. And I think True. that's... No, you're not wrong. That's an interesting analysis where Spider-Man 2, Amazing Spider-Man 2, has what, unfortunately, a lot of Alex Kurtzman movies have issues with of he did the same thing. I forget what other movie he did. Maybe one of the Transformers, I forget. Uh, but he basically puts the cart before the horse four or five movies ahead. Before we finish this movie, like this movie has Black Cat and the cameo for some reason. The creator of the Spider, the Spider Slayers, Alfred Smythe, for some reason, Sinister Six tease. Uh, but you can't honestly tell me that yes, Venom is bad, like really bad. Spider Man dancing is really bad. Really as bad as the Green Goblin is a disease that is transmitted from father to son, and the father who, even though he lived to be fifty or sixty. Somehow the son is going to die in his early 20s from this same exact disease, and he needs Spider-Man's blood to save him. Yeah. And Paul Giamatti is Rhino. Which is really unfortunate because I was that was one of the parts I was actually kind of looking forward to. Yeah, the suit looked cool. I thought Paul Giamatti, okay, clearly he's a guy with talent, so he's going to have a pretty substantial role because he's a well known and pretty well-respected actor. Nope. I am the rhino! Yeah. Um, And just, oh, it was so bad. Plus, the biggest frustration. Um, I was the only one in the theater that cheered this because I'm sick. Uh, At the time, I cheered because they actually had the guts to kill Gwen Stacy. Looking at it now, you butchered that death so poorly. Like... That moment is supposed to hit the gut hard of Peter accidentally killed the first and only love of his life until Mary Jane shows up. It was just a wasted opportunity. And I believe you and I even had the story pitch of what they should have done was have it at the bridge, um, just like in the comics, where he made the I love you out of webbing. And then as he's holding her body, we pan out to a wide shot and the I love you fades into the wind. It would have been so much better, man. But, yeah, I mean, it's... I, people crap on Spider-Man 3. It's bad. But it is, as a whole, it is a cohesive narrative that has some flaws in its acting and its portrayal of some of its 
superhero characters. This has a lot of story issues and character issues. Yeah, I wouldn't disagree. And as much as I love Gwen, uh, Andrew and, and Emma together on screen, it, it almost gets borderline annoying in this one. Yeah, it was cute in the first one. It was insufferable in the second one. Yeah, I mean, I don't blame you, man. It, it, I, I've come around to where that that at, at least the second one, I'll sit here and be like, yeah, no, that was trash. <laughs> yeah, the first one, I don't mind the first one. It's definitely not the best Spider-Man, but it's it's not the second one. I'll say that. Yeah. Whereas you have a superhero one that might not be on nearly as many people's list, but you you have hated this movie for a while. You've made it very well known. I have. I've been, and it'll be. And I, I've always been very proud of you for sticking to your guns on this one. Of like, I don't agree with this opinion, but I've heard your thoughts, and I've heard, and I think they're good points. I just don't agree with you, but I've always been proud that you like stick to your guns, even knowing that it's not the popular opinion. Yeah, because it's not anyway. We'll get there. I'm going to save that one and, and put that one in my back pocket. I think I'm going right, to build to right. it because it is my my to me. I think a a really bad sequel doesn't necessarily mean the acting's bad. It doesn't mean, you know, the, the, the graphics and stuff like that are bad, but like, especially when a story that's supposed to make sense with your characters and it doesn't work like example. I mean, I think um, my number five is going to be Batman and Robin and we'll talk about it at length next week, but it's, I haven't watched it in a while, obviously, but, and I'll be watching it again for next, for our segment next week, but. Yes, it's free on Voodoo with ads. Yes, it is. Um, it just doesn't work. There's so much in that movie that just doesn't work. So I got a trick for you. When you're mm-hmm. watching Batman and Robin, and Batman and Robin is actually on my worst sequel movies too, but if you want a trick, to help you get through watching the movie Batman and Robin at least a little bit better, um, is picture it is a sequel to the 1966 Batman movie. Okay. Picture okay. it exists in that same world and not the Michael Keaton one because I almost put it as a positive for next week, but I'm just like, I, I really, I can't. That cheats the movie. Of... This Batman and Robin, people got pissed because it felt too much like the 60s one after we got the Keaton ones, which I I get that. Mm -hmm. But if you look at it through the lens of Joel Schumacher trying to do a loving tribute to the 60s Batman, it actually is like scary spot on how close it resembles that old um, style of cartoonish Batman. Yes, it might not be for everyone. It's not even for me. I'm not defending the movie as good. But what I am saying is if you watch it back-to-back with Batman 66, it makes it a lot more interesting because there's a lot of shots that I'm watching it going, this is Dutch. Why is this like a Dutch angle? Didn't the original show use a lot of Dutch angles or just like some mm-hmm. of the dialogue or the costuming? Um, yeah, it right was down a to lot some of the handmade performances style. and random celebrity cameos coolio anybody uh that Mm -hmm. is very reminiscent of the 60s show 
Granted, that is not what audiences want at the time. I get that. Batman and Robin is a bad movie by a lot of standards, and it frustrates the crap out of me. But I've kind of gone with a journey for this with this movie, and I will never like this movie. I liked it as a kid. I'll never like it again. That being said, the older I get, the more I understand Joel Schumacher's vision for the movie, what he was going for. He wasn't going for dark and... Um, gothic he was going for adam west because maybe that was the version that he was familiar with yeah exactly so So when you have to watch for next week go into it thinking this is a sequel to the 66 movie also 66 movie had four villains this one has three villains jeez what you got? What you got next, my man? I am looking at this. Unfortunately, I have a lot of recent ones, just because it seems like a lot of the recent trends of let's resurrect something from years ago that may have been a popular franchise, and we haven't had a sequel in a while. So let's just sequel it, and it ends up very, very badly. So um, yes, I have quite a few that are really, really bad. Um, the, the most recent movie on my list only came out like. Four or five months ago, but is already worthy of being on this list because it is an absolute dumpster fire. Rambo Last Blood. Jeez. I, oh, I love the entire Rambo saga. And I actually, Rambo 4, just Rambo, is one of my favorites in the series. I was very pleasantly surprised by that one. That was in the middle of... um, Sylvester Stallone's kind of resurgence with 2006's Rocky Balboa, which... Is actually my favorite of the entire franchise. Um, Same. So. And then 2008's Rambo was actually really, really good. But he hadn't done it in a while. But I remember we talked about that trailer with old, um, with country, uh, what was it? Old Town Road. And we're like, that was actually a really good trailer. So it got me hyped. And I watched it. And it was literally a direct to DVD quality movie that has nothing to do with Rambo. And like all the, grim, bloody violence that you come to know from Rambo is just in the last literally seven minutes of the movie. I was looking at the time. And it's so uninteresting. Like, a lot of old Rambo ones, like, you can feel the kills or you can feel the pain. Um, This one, you you don't feel anything. It's, It's just nothing. And it's over so quickly, you can't even really enjoy it. It's... Uh, it was just rough to watch. I wanted so much better from Rambo. It was just a slog to get through. Like, it was one of the worst movies of last year. Um, I don't know if I'd say it was the worst. Although, there was some pretty bad sequels. Honorable mention to Happy Death Day 2 last year. That, oh, that was so disappointing. It was I so, loved the it first was so one. unfortunate. The first one was one of the most clever and original horror ideas that I've seen in a lot of years. And the sequel just pooped the bed on that. Um, It was really unfortunate. Um, But yeah, I had Rambo Last Blood was just awful. Um, I got a couple more recent ones, but what's another one that you've got? I don't think you'll... uh... (laughs) I don't think you'll disagree with this. 
the Terminator Terminator Genesis is absolute garbage. Genesis, Genesis, Genesis. I'm proud to say right? that's how it's spelled. Didn't see it. Yeah, it's I haven't seen trash. any movie since Terminator Salvation. I haven't seen any Terminator movie. I mean, since Salvation, which okay, moment of truth. I saw it with my dad. We both liked Salvation. We, I, I genuinely I, don't get the hate for that movie. I actually have fun with I, it. I, I enjoyed Salvation as well, which is why, like, it, it's tough because I, I hear people say anything after T3 is trash. And guess what? Uh, I don't is, mind T3 either. I don't either. And honestly, to be quite honest, I don't see the hype behind T2. Okay, that I'm going to disagree with. T2 is awesome. You no, know, it's the, the first one is way better. But that's my opinion. Uh, Genesis is absolute garbage. <laughs> yeah. I, the, um, I will say, though, with Salvation, I will die on my hill that Christian Bale is the best John Connor we got. Oh, absolutely. I buy him as a leader. I think the only um, negative about Salvation... Isn't isn't Salvation the one with the naked Arnold Schwarzenegger? Say what? Isn't Salvation the one with the, the naked Arnold Schwarzenegger? Uh, there's a couple naked Arnold Schwarzenegger ones, but the terrible CGI Arnold Schwarzenegger? Yeah, yeah that was Salvation. It's not actually him? Yeah. Yeah, that was Salvation. Yeah. So, okay. That, that kind of segues me into one of mine. So Terminator is a beloved franchise from the 80s and 90s. I believe T2 was 92. And if I remember correctly, the original one of these movies was, I think, summer of 95. And it was the one of the biggest blockbusters of its era, including having one of the greatest movie speeches of all time by one of the greatest movie presidents of all time, Bill Pullman, in Independence Day. So naturally, I was excited for the most part, when I heard they were making another one. And then I sat down and watched Independence Day Resurgence, and oh my gosh, I can still smell the stink on that movie. <laughs> it was the first popular franchise starring Will Smith to kill him off screen and then reference him in an oil painting, as the Honest Trailers point out, as Men in Black would do the same later. Um... You couldn't get Chris Hemsworth, so you get the less talented, less attractive younger brother who can't act. Um, the frustrating decision of you had actress Mae Whitman in the original as Bill Pullman's daughter, the little girl. She is still acting to this day, but for some reason they decided to recast her, which makes no sense. Uh, hey, you liked President Bill Pullman in the first one? Well, he's a crazy nutbag with a beard that dies for no apparent reason in this movie. You like D Data, the crazy doctor? Well, he didn't actually die at the hands of an alien. He's just been in a coma for 20 years. We're going to make alien contact with a sphere ball who's going to set up a third movie that will never happen. We're going to have an alien mother fight you in the middle of the desert. And better yet, we're going to have the alien ships be piloted by humans. So it's alien ship versus alien ship. So all the lasers are the same color. So you have no idea who's shooting at who. 
Sounds like you really didn't like that movie. Anymore. It was so frustratingly bad. And I come out of the theater, my mom and dad were just like, it wasn't that bad. Are you serious? That was trash. That was so bad. And I have someone pretending to be Will Smith's kid who is one of the worst actors. If you make me miss Jaden Smith, you done goofed, A-A-Ron. <laughs> like, the kid that's pretending to be Will Smith's kid is so bland and terrible. Nothing in this movie makes sense. It was clearly sequel baiting. Of We need to set up a franchise. Well, that failed hard because this movie is so... So bad. Not even Jeff Goldblum could save it. And he's like sleepwalking through this movie. Um, thankfully, though, there is a sequel that on my list that I did see with my parents. Heather was out of town. Lucky her. That we did all come out of the theater going, well, that was awful. Like, we were all in agreement of, it's been a while since we've seen a movie this truly awful. And it is <laughs> one of the worst movie sequels I've ever seen. I didn't love the original, but... The sequel was even worse to Fantastic Beast. I'm talking about Fantastic oh, Beast, geez. The Crimes of Grindelwald. If you've been listening to the podcast long enough, you may remember my um, spiel I had for our end-of-the-year wrap-up for 2018 when I talked about Crimes of Grindelwald and how bad it was. Josh, do you remember that at all? Um, I actually avoided it because of of your rant and how much you hated it. Yeah. Oh my. So I I liked the first Fantastic Beast enough. It was fine to me. Oh my gosh! If you liked the fan, first Fantastic Beast, like even at all, it will slap you in the face how much it does not give a crap about your feelings about the first one. Of like. Hey, you like the characters from the first one? Well, the most charming and endearing character from the first one who had amnesia, so he didn't remember the first movie. Well, that got cured because it only took away his sad memories. Nope, that's not how magic works, J.K. Rowling. How do I know? Because you taught me for the rules that you yourself established. Um, now, that character is drugged with a love spell by a woman that wants to marry him, so he's more or less kind of being abused. And it's not okay, and they play it off for laughs. But that don't worry, that character is going to turn heel and join the dark side at the end of this movie for no apparent reason. And you know that snake that Voldemort had? Nagini? Well, she was actually an Asian circus performer that her magic trick was turning into a snake. She was best friends with Ezra Miller. It was super weird. Thought the first one had too many characters that you never knew about and didn't really care for? Well, double that and care even half as much because there's going to be way too many characters for this movie. And you're not going to care about any one of them. There's way too many annoying side plots and way too many weird extreme close-ups. I hate this movie. Josh, get me to something else before I have an aneurysm. Hallelujah. Um, Where's the title and all? <laughs> Do you want to talk about how much I hate Mortal Kombat Annihilation? Sure. <laughs> that one's at least fun bad. This is just bad bad. No. No, it's not fun bad. Mother, it's a, it's you're alive. Bad. It's, oh my gosh, it's so bad. Too bad. The, you the will die. The first one, while not good, is enjoyable at least. Whereas this one, the CGI is so terrible. It takes you out of the game, out of the out of it so hard like dude it's just mm -mm. 
And like none of the characters are believable, none of the stunts they're doing are believable. Nothing it doesn't work. Nothing works. Nothing works. So um if you all recall, if you've been listening to the podcast long enough, in 2018, I had two movies that I said gave me aneurysms, and unfortunately, both of them are sequels. Yes, Crimes of Grindelwald was probably the worst movie, but there's another sequel that came out that was so butt-numbingly stupid in its plot holes of just going, oh, don't do that. Such dumb, idiotic character decisions, and I could not get behind any one of them that you could tell me that there is worse Jurassic Park sequels, but I don't care. To me, the worst Jurassic Park sequel by far is Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom. Oh my God, you made human clones. It's bad. Okay, even I will agree that that is bad. The whole movie... Okay, this didn't... I didn't even notice this the first time I watched it until someone pointed it out to me, and it just makes me even more mad. What was the premise of the first Jurassic World? That Chris Pratt was the one that cared about the animals, and Bryce Dallas Howard was the cold, emotionally distant one that viewed them as just as assets. Then why in the heck are their roles reversed for the sequel, with Chris Pratt the one that thinks they're just assets that don't need to be saved, and Bryce Dallas Howard is the one that views them as animals that need to be protected? Yeah. And then there's those weird, obnoxious side characters that don't need to be in it with the scientist, the kid that was in Detective Pikachu that squeals like a little girl. Yeah. And again, human clone children. The clone twist is, I saw it, I saw it a mile away. I didn't because it, I was just like, no way they're that stupid. Like, she's gotta be like, a twin or something. No way they would do clones. That's... Oh, my gosh. Yeah, it, it was not a good idea. And then the moment that... There are two moments in films that I've gotten really dangerously close to just throwing in the towel and leaving. Unfortunately, one of those is in Rise of Skywalker. If you've seen the movie, you know what I'm talking about. But I, I was able to re- recover and enjoy the rest of the movie. Um... When the stupid clone girl opens the door and basically condemns the rest of the world to be destroyed by dinosaurs. Yeah, I have... Oh, you have... I have so many issues with that. Are you kidding me? No. (laughs) Just because dinosaurs look cool does not mean they should live with humans. You should have let them die and now... You should be the first one to be eaten, thanks to you. And the movie is just like, feel bad for the dinosaurs. No, Jeff Goldblum is right, as he is in many things. We should not have let them come. We should not have created them. We should all let them die. They're dead for a reason. Let them stay that way. Well, um, I've only got two more. One that I really hate and it's one of the most infuriating movies I've ever seen, and one that I put on this list because it's bad, but it's by no means, like, the worst movie sequel. But before we get to those, Josh, what other ones you got? Yeah, I got about two left, and kind of actually the same situation, weirdly enough. Um, I, uh... I am one of the major- minorities that don't, like, don't mind Marky Mark in the uh, Transformers movies. But um, in no way is he the issue. However, 
He's an inventor. He, uh, he, uh, Transformers The Last Night is absolute, and I know I've said this, but absolute garbage. Is that the fifth one? Yeah. yeah. I'm happy to say I stopped with the third. Yeah. It's the one where Optimus Prime gets a giant sword and they connect everyone back. All the, you know, apparently Transformers has been on the on the planet since the day of the Templars. But, you know, in the first, in the very first Transformers movies, they're all coming out of the sky for the first time. So, okay, whatever. Um, Michael Bay doesn't care about his own continuity. He doesn't. And there's been, you know, I don't mind the Transformers movies. But this was like one of the first times where I sat in my chair and went, I I don't know what's supposed to be happening, but there's a lot of explosions. <laughs> Everyone craps on two. I don't think two is that bad. I think no. It 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 was the sign of things are getting bad, and they went with each progressive installment. It got worse and worse. Yes. So yes, two is bad, but. Like you said, they got worse. So five is absolutely the worst until Bumblebee saved the franchise partially. Which is weird and that Bumblebee is the most like lovable character of all of those. It's just it's wild to me. But you know, five is just mm, Which just, ironically, one of my sequels is also a five. Oh yeah. This is the one that I don't think is like the worst movie ever made, but it's definitely the weakest of one of my favorite franchises ever, Rocky. You forgot there was a Rocky Five, didn't you? I, I just ignore that it, it exists, honestly. Oh, yeah, same. <laughs> I bought the DVD set that had the first five before Rocky Balboa came out, and I actually gave Rocky Five away for a white elephant. <laughs> Along with George of the Jungle 2 and Super Baby's Baby Geniuses 2. Okay, Super Baby Geniuses didn't need to happen in the first place, let alone a second one. Also, uh, like, I I can't even give it the honor of being on this list at all, but Super Baby's Baby Geniuses 2, just for existing and having like a 1% on Rotten Tomatoes. Um, but Rocky Five. It's that one that everyone forgets happens. It's the reason we have Rocky Balboa because years after it came out, Sylvester Stallone was just like, you know what? I'm really not happy with that being my final chapter of the franchise. And he's right. Five is bad. Um, of, hey, let's have some family drama with my son. Uh, I get that you want to have your own son in a movie. That's really, really cool. Uh, but... Tommy the Machine Gun is like the most boring antagonist in the entire um, Rocky saga. And everyone always just remembers it as, is that the one that ends with him fighting in the street? Yep. Which I'm just like, you set up in the first 10 minutes of this movie, like a big plot point of Rocky has to retire. That's why he's a coach for this whole movie of he can't fight because he's got severe brain damage at the hands of Ivan Drago, which gets completely forgotten about for Rocky Balboa um, because they forgot this movie, which is fine. Uh, actually, no, they didn't because five is the reason why he's broke and lives at the house that he does in Rocky Balboa. Uh, yep. it, it's weird. Um, but he fights in the street, which 
Correct me if I'm wrong there, Brohim, but isn't street fighting more dangerous than boxing? No. no He's like getting thrown into a truck. And like getting, and he's like bare knuckle fighting. I'm like, I'm sorry. Is that not more dangerous than boxing? No. And like he has this like dramatic stand up and punch somebody. It's like, uh, okay. And the part that still annoys me to this day. So Tommy the Machine Gun has a manager that's supposed to be kind of like a Don King knockoff, like with the big hair and everything. And he's been like a smug jerk the whole movie. And he's just like, Touch me and I'll sue. And Rocky punches him square in the face and goes, for what? And even as a kid, a teenager, watching this for the first time, I'm going, he could sue you for assault. He could sue you for a lot of things right now, idiot. Yeah. Like, that's a cool line to be like, what are you going to sue me for? There's all, if you punch a grown man in the face who has done nothing legally wrong against you, he could sue you for a lot of things. Yeah, it's yeah. Dude, it's not exactly five. Just, although, tease for so, um, we will be doing Batman and Robin next week. We we're already contemplating the week after because our creative juices are flowing now. Um, I pitched an idea to Josh earlier today, and. Let's just say we want to do good scenes in bad movies. And Rocky V may reappear on that episode, not to give too much away. Oh, really? Okay. Yes. Okay. One of the best scenes in the entire Rocky franchise, believe it or not, is actually in Rocky V. I mean, I'm already Weirdly thinking enough. of scenes. I'm already thinking of other, th- other scenes so that involve bears. Yes. I'm already thinking about scenes, too. I'm very excited to talk about that one. Um, <laughs> but we'll get we'll cross that bridge when we get there. Josh, crowning achievement. Yeah. We'll get to our least favorite sequels or worst sequels ever. Yours is a controversial pick. It is, and I think I'm gonna get some heat with some 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 of y'all nerds on this. But I absolutely think. That Dark Knight Rises is a terrible movie. And to be fair, this is not one of those that Josh has like kind of been anti the mainstream thought of just like, oh, it's popular, so I'm going to be anti it. No, you've actually hated this movie from day no, one. Yeah, I hated it when, the moment I saw it. Yeah. I remember when I first met you, our freshman year, that was still in theaters because I saw it a couple times on my own. And remember talking to you about it, and I was like, really? You're the only person I've met that hates it. So I remember even from the get-go, you hated this movie. Oh, yeah, dude. Okay, first of all, how are you going to, regardless of of the fact of Bane's design, whatever, we'll just not even talk about that. But you're going to build this guy up as a total badass the entire movie only to – um, just kind of uh, kill him off and not kind of and just be like, oh, it wasn't even his plan. Oh, how is he? How are we supposed to believe this guy can be a mastermind if all Captain of a sudden? Friend zone. Yeah, like get out of here, you crazy person. But that's not how that how the stuff that story works. You can't. You can't do that. And like the fact of the matter is, 
you know, despite, you know, we won't even talk about the fact how it doesn't make sense that um, Batman can get from one side of the planet to the other in the matter of a day with no plane or the fact that his back gets healed <laughs> like overnight. I'm not going to talk about that. Let's talk about the fact that the, I can literally summarize the whole plot of the movie into like one sentence. I don't want to be Batman anymore, but I'm going to be Batman. So we're going to start to go forth towards being Batman. Okay, I'm Batman now. Yay. Okay, cool. Oh, no, I broke my bat. I can't be Batman anymore. Okay, I'm going to be Batman. I want to be Batman again. All right, I'm going to work towards being Batman. Okay, I'm being Batman again. Yay. And now I'm going to fake my death. So that I don't have to be Batman. <laughs> I will say, like Rocky Five, though, if we are considering, I I like Dark Knight Rises a lot more than you do. I really like it. I like the entire trilogy. Yes, it's the weakest of the three for me by far, but I still enjoy it. But if I were to consider it a bad movie, I would have an, another moment for sure that would be on that great scene in bad movies. Actually, like my favorite, mo- one of my favorite moments in the entire trilogy rests in Dark Knight Rises, actually. Yeah, but... I just... There's... Like, it's not... I'm not going to sit here and be like, it's a bad movie, but it's a terrible sequel. See, and even that, I'll fight you on, just because Christopher Nolan, like, tried to bring the whole trilogy together in a cohesive way, and there's certain thematic elements from Batman Begins that I think he tied really, really well together that I'll save for that great scene in bad movies, but I, mean, I think... It's, yeah, but... It's, I think, it's, I, I, I think just, you're right. It's a bad sequel to Dark Knight, but it's a fantastic sequel to Batman Begins. I, w- I would give... I would agree with that. I'll give you that. If it came after... Batman if, begins, if you watch those back to back, they're pretty good. Yeah, I, I don't think I would have as much of an issue, but the emotional growth that Batman that you know Bruce goes through in Dark Knight Rises puts him in a different place, a much much more honorable place than it does when Rises starts. He's kind of like this like dejec- uh like terrible, you know, uh what was the word I'm looking for? Like hermit, and that's also crippled. Like it doesn't make sense. Like I understand, but like how yeah, you? Yeah, I never take understood that doctor scene where he's just like, "You have no ligaments in your knees. You're all banged up." I'm like, he hasn't even been Batman for two years. Yeah, like, and there's nothing, there's nothing for us to see that causes him that causes us to be like, "Oh, okay, yeah, those injuries make sense." Like if we saw him, like I don't know, get like rough, like like at the beginning of Batman Beyond, the the, the television television show. Like he is old, he's beat up, and then he almost kill has to kill somebody with a gun because his life depends on it, and that scares the crap out of him, and so he doesn't want to be Batman again. That makes sense. Yeah. But like just for him to be like for for Bruce Wayne to be like, man, I hurt when I wake up. I don't want to do this Batman thing anymore. Like that doesn't make sense to me. So, my my least favorite sequel or worst sequel I've ever seen. A little bit of context here. This is part of one of my favorite and most cherished franchises to me that I discovered later in life. Um, It is a sequel to a movie that I don't love, 
but there's some parts of it that I like. It's kind of similar to Fantastic Beasts in that regard, but I I think I like Fantastic Beasts as a first entry more so than this first entry. Um, and it's hard because I don't want to compare it to that first film, but also the previous other films in its saga. Um, it's hard to not think about those other movies. It's hard to... I can't hide it anymore because it's hard to explain without talking about the movie itself. So naturally, I'm, if you haven't figured it out by now, talking about Rob Zombie's Halloween 2. Oof. I had a feeling that this was going to come up. I, I'm okay with Rob Zombie's first Halloween. There's some issues that I have with it. A lot of issues. It is It's a Rob Zombie movie for sure. But at the end of the day, there's some parts of it that I, I think work pretty well. Everything and the kitchen sink absolutely goes off the rails in the second one. Oh my gosh, did they give Rob Zombie carte blanche to do whatever the heck he wants. And he takes this to some weird places. Um, like, really weird. So some people complain that the first Rob Zombie Halloween... Um, felt too much like it relied on the mystique of eliminating the mystique of Michael Myers and explaining why he's evil and then more or less just creating the original shot for shot in the second half. This one, it's Rob Zombie, but it sure as heck ain't Halloween. So, Josh, what what are the iconic staples of Michael Myers that you know off the top of your head? Um, the kills, specifically the one that I remember where he pins the kid up onto the wall. Um, what else? Like when you picture Michael Myers, what do you picture? The mask and I picture him walking really, really slowly, but somehow always keeping up with everyone. So what happens then in Rob Zombie's Halloween 2 when... Michael Myers himself spends most of the movie with his mask more or less deteriorating and barely even on his face to the point that his, basically his whole face is exposed for most of the movie and he looks like either Daniel Bryan or Bear freaking Grylls. He's got like dreads and a beard looking more like Rob Zombie himself than the actual Michael Myers. We're going to see his face for most of this movie. Not only that, he has these weird visions of his own dead mom with a white horse guiding him, saying, Come, join us. Why is he seeing a horse? Why is he seeing his dead mom? And also, we know Michael Myers is a silent assassin. He basically sneaks up on everybody. Then why is it that he kills Loomis at the end of this movie by screaming, Die, and running full speed at him before spearing him? That's just Michael Myers. I haven't even gotten to the rest of the movie. Michael Myers is one of my favorite horror movie monsters, so I, of course, have big issues with that. I have bigger fish to fry with this stupid movie. Okay. People that know me know I love the original Halloween because great killer combined with a great protagonist, Laurie Strode. Jamie Lee Curtis knocked it out of the park. Um, Scout Taylor Compton was a very different approach in Halloween 1. Well, screw that. Throw that out the window. She's a completely different character in this one. She's a sociopath. She is psychotic in all senses of the word. She's essentially just... Oh, she's... 
uh, Courtney Love essentially in this movie. She's god awful of just screaming obscenities, just unlikable to the point of after about five minutes, you want her dead. Um, she's just annoying, obnoxious. Also, this movie decides to have a random cameo by Margot uh, Kidder from Superman as her psychiatrist, which is just super weird. It's She's such an unlikable character. There are no likable characters. There is actually one likable character. And the only character that survived the first Halloween, Annie, played by Danielle Harris from Halloween 4 and 5, which is a nice touch. But she is brutally murdered by Michael Myers, only for her body to be discovered by her father, who holds her dead corpse while showing old baby pictures of her from Halloween 4 and 5 for some reason. That looks like a weird music video. Uh, this also Loomis just becomes an arrogant d bag played by Malcolm McDowell, who's just trying to use Michael Myers's killings as a way to get success off a new book based on Michael Myers. Goes against everything Loomis has as a character. This movie frustrates me to no end. I do not get what Rob Zombie was going for. I the white horse thing, the weird magic mysticism. I haven't even talked about the coroners that run over a cow and want to do things with bodies. It's just, oh, God, this movie. I've only seen it twice, and I know at some point we're going to have to do a five good things on this. But, I uh, like, it's one of those that... Yeah, it's, it's tough. It's tough to watch, dude. Did you watch it with us, or did you avoid it? I think I avoided it, but I ended up watching it on my own, which is kind of worse in a way. <laughs> yes, and because I'm a masochist, but I've seen both the, regular the first cut one and the like extended cut, which both of them are trash. It's yeah. oh my gosh, I just can't stand Rob Zombie as a filmmaker, and I'm glad his days with Halloween are over because I've said it before. And I will die on the hill. Yes, Halloween Resurrection is bad, even though I know you love Buster Rhymes. And Halloween 6 <laughs> is bad. Halloween 5 is bad. But they will never even yeah. get close to how bad and how He's damaging the best franchise. part of that. Huh? You can't. No, he is the best part of that movie. You can't hate on Buster Rhymes. I'm not hating on it right now. That's what I'm saying is as bad as that is, as bad as 6 is, 5 is. They never even got close to how bad Rob Zombie's Halloween 2 is. This is the one that sunk the franchise for, uh, let's see, nine years until Blumhouse came along and swooped up the rights and made a great redeeming movie out of it. Uh, This movie just frustrates me to no end of just so many questions of not understanding it and just so many unlikable characters just yeah I there's nothing more I can say but just yeah avoid this movie like yeah. the plague yeah I mean it's it, I think the the uh, the the theme here for us is not necessarily that these movies are bad in themselves of course they're bad but they're the worst sequels for us for certain like very specific reasons. They hurt the legacy of what came before. Like Dan DeDito. If we want to bring it full circle. And now I'm sad. (laughs) Yep. Well, 
Rob Zombie killed Halloween and Dan DeDito might have killed DC and the comic industry. Well, speaking of comic industry, next week we will be back with our very first Five Good Things podcast edition as we're going to talk about five good things about Batman and Robin. And yes, there are actually five good things. And yes, this movie is bad, but we will suffer for it for you guys. Let us know what some of your least favorite... Uh, sequels you've ever seen are. What are some of the worst of the worst for you guys? Let us know in the comments below. And as always, if you like what you hear and you want to hear more, subscribe to us on whatever audio platform you're listening to us on, whether that's iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or YouTube. And if you haven't already, subscribe to us on the main YouTube channel at Uncharted Media. And as always, stay sharp, movie guys and gals.